morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day today. I know I am, and today is an interesting week because there hasn't been that much comic book or nerd news. I mean, honestly, I'm not surprised. We just came out of San Diego Comic-Con, and last week was a doozer. Yeah, I didn't have to stay up until midnight trying to see if there was any trailers dropping, which is a good thing. Anyway, I'm here to talk about what we are going to be doing today. So, like I promised last week, we are going to be talking about Thor Love and Thunder review, and also a little small review of The Grey Man. Actually, a pretty not bad action movie, but again, we'll get into that later. Right now, we're going to go ahead and dive into comics. Now... One thing about Marvel, and they've been having a pretty good time mix and matching some heroes and anti-heroes, such as Black Cat and Iron Man. Now, the series that's with these two is Iron Cat, and we're going to be talking about issue two. Now, after Black Cat is attacked and escapes from her former lover slash friend, Tamara, who evidently stole the Iron Cat suit from Tony, Black Cat goes to Tony to ask for his help. He is reluctant since she stole the Iron Cat armor before and absolutely does not trust her. Which is very smart. I wouldn't trust Black Cat either. But it's Tony, so he asks why should he help her since they have absolutely nothing in common. Felicia starts to cry and reveals the person who stole her his armor is his former lover and is out to kill her. Tony, being an expert in this field... No joke, he actually had an armor try to kill him because it was in love with him. A very, very weird story. Anyway, he jokes about being an expert in this field and finally having something in common and agrees to help. Probably because he wants to talk about this since he's the only person he knows who has had this trouble. Anyway, we learn that Tamara is getting help from an Iron Man villain named Sunset Bane. Who is not really like a superpowered villain, this person is extremely smart and more of a weapons dealer. To draw Tamara out, Black Cat asks Tony if he is still rich, which he jokingly says, of course. And he also asks why. He ends up throwing a luxurious party to get Tamara's attention, which works. And Tamara knows this is a trap but doesn't care and goes in to attack, which is where the comic ends. Now, this is going to be interesting to see how Iron Man does against the Iron Cat suit. Even though he designed it, Sunset Bane has made some upgrades. So, we will see how this all works out. Now, this comic is funny. It's amazing. The dialogue between Black Cat and Iron Man is just simply hilarious. Now, Black Cat doesn't usually appear and team up with other heroes like Iron Man or anything above street-level heroes. Because she's usually with, of course, Spider-Man or Luke Cage or somebody else who's within that range. Nothing like Cosmic or whatever. Now, mixing up can prove to be bad or good, but in the case between Black Cat and Iron Man, it's proving to be hilarious and successful. One thing I do like is the fact about the series is the fact that they didn't draw out who the mystery behind the Iron Cat was. They got into it, revealed it in the first issue, and was like, okay... This is who this person is. Let's get to the story and get to the nitty gritty, which I appreciate. Some mysteries are like, oh, my God, who it is. And some of them is like, OK, we kind of know who it is. Can we not? Can we skip this whole mystery? Kind of like uh, Gotham Knight, the Arkham game. 
anybody knew, anybody who's anybody knew who the Gotham Knight was. It wasn't a big mystery. And as soon as the reveal, everyone was like, okay, we kind of figured that's who it was. Why did we have to spend all this time with the mystery? Would have been better if everybody just knew already and it got to the actual nitty gritty. Anyway, uh, one thing I look forward to is issue three and wonder how much an upgrade did Sunset Bane give the Iron Cat suit, especially up against Tony's, who is basically able to adapt to mostly anything. Thor, Hulk, dude has armor for almost every situation. Anyway, one thing we also want to talk about is Spider-Man issue number six. And by God, did this comic destroy everything what little hope I had literally any hope I had now the one thing about this issue that makes it so special is the fact that this is issue 900 900 issues of spider-man and they end up destroying so much progress many writers were making with Doc Ock Craven or even Black Cat it felt like I was watching a 1960s like the original spider-man tv show which couldn't be it which shouldn't be the case because a lot of these characters had so much growth before Zeb Wells and Dan Slott decided to get their hands on these characters. Seriously. I don't know if it's about plain laziness or just plain boredom that they had to make this nine hundred issue such a disappointment. One thing that I hated about this issue is they made Black Cat a rebound girl, which was definitely not the best move, because we still have yet to see what the heck is going on with MJ. That's one of the biggest things I hate about this comic. She wasn't even in it. And I really hope that Marvel cancels this run and starts over because no one is liking this run and sales are going to suffer from people giving up on it. Now, one thing I want to see is this all be erased or an explanation finally becoming that makes total sense, which would Zeb Wells, who knows? Probably never going to happen. It's probably going to crash and burn. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and review much of it. It just... Yeah, it's just bad. Honestly, the one thing I'll say is the fact that the mach- a machine brings the Sinister Six together to try to kill Spider-Man because it wants to know exactly who and what is Spider-Man. And they do a horrific job. It's, wow, it's just really bad. Really, really bad. I don't even recommend people buying this comic just to show that we want a change. Anyway, uh, moving on from Marvel Comics as we're going to dive into DC. Now, DC Inc. issue 11 continues to show Deathstroke's first year as a mercenary, and at the beginning of his career. Now, it's nothing really special. It's not like, oh my god, it's this amazing and this. It's okay. I mean, if you're wanting to read something and not something that is horrible, I definitely recommend it. Uh, One thing I hoped is that they would make an actual series of this and not a temporary thing that's attached to Deathstroke Inc., One thing about this is at the end of the comic, it shows Deathstroke meeting Green Arrow for the first time, which is kind of strange, since Deathstroke was already established when the heroes were starting to begin their careers. And it kind of messes with canon, but I mean, it's DC, I guess they don't really care about that as much. One thing I do uh, look forward to is uh, Slade kicking Green Arrow's butt, because between the two, Slade is a lot more skilled. Now, one thing I want to talk about is DC's newest comic book series. DC Mech. Now, if you like giant robots fighting with each other, you're going to enjoy this. So in this world, 
after World War II, the Justice League of America is celebrating when a parademon who is a giant biomech crashes down to Earth and it begins to attack. Dr. Fate and some of the others jump in to attack and are instantly wiped out. Yeah, I, I know. Oh my god, why did Dr. Fate get instantly wiped out? Just, they, they instant nerf powers at the beginning of this. It's just going to end up with giant robots fighting each other. Just accept it now and it'll make a lot of this stuff happen. Anyway, they're able to take out the biomech, but sustain heavy losses, and it was just one. That's right, just one. Now, one thing about the comic, it explains that the Age of Heroes was over, and that the entire Earth started building heavy mechs to fight the next wave. And one thing about this is they kind of tweak each other's uh, origin stories, like Superman's story. It's similar, but instead of leaving on a rocket, he leaves on a mech. And one thing is his parents end up taking mechs to fight Apocalypse, which is basically turned into Unicron and is the reason why uh, Krypton is dying. Apocalypse is absorbing it into Apocalypse. Now, fast forward into the future. You have Flash's rogue who have mechs breaking into a lab to steal somebody. Something, not somebody. The Flash shows up, also in a mech, to put a stop to them. Apparently, something happened to Barry, so this Flash is Wally, which I actually don't mind. I actually do like Wally West better than Barry Allen. But anyway, he's getting overwhelmed. Batman comes in and saves him and defeat the villains. And I got to say, the one thing that I find hilarious is even though Captain Cold, Heatwave, Mirror Master, Batman, and Flash are all in mechs, they are still in costume. Still, which I find hilarious. Anyway, um, and one thing I do find funny is everyone has mechs. The villains, the heroes, it's just mech central, and I love it. I really do. Uh, and then, uh, out of nowhere, parademons show up, and both heroes begin to get overwhelmed. Superman shows up with his mech and helps save them. Superman gets out to greet them. He is now a young adult, so another tweak is that he doesn't come as a baby. He already comes as a young adult to say hi. His mech gets EMP'd by Batman, because it's Batman. And uh, Batman threatens his life with a batarang to get some answers. Now, it's very interesting to see that uh, Flash, even though he's in a mech, kind of looks like he still has his Speed Force powers, which is weird because you'd figure that with the Speed Force, he'd be able to take down the mech, he'd be able to vibrate, but I mean, maybe their powers work different here, uh, except with their suits or something like that, because with the JSA, you still had Jay Garrick running at super speed. But anyway, uh, this comic is fun, goofy, it's ridiculous, and I absolutely think it's fantastic. Honestly, it's it's giant mechs. What else do you want? Uh, one thing I'll mention in the comic is Darkseid doesn't have a mech, and it's not really shown if Superman's powers will be the same or adjusted. They do mention that his mech is uh, like alien. And of course it is. And its readings are out of this world. So who knows? Maybe he still retains some of his powers. Maybe his powers are adjusted. But I cannot wait for issue two to continue this craziness. And I love that DC is just goofing off with some of these things that aren't connected at all. And just doing its own thing. I absolutely love it. And I think this is much, much better than their previous DC versus Vampires. Anyway, that's it for comics, and we're going to be talking about shows. 
Now, a trailer that dropped about a couple days after San Diego Comic-Con was A League of Their Own. Now, if many of you remember, this was a movie with Tom Hanks, and it's known for one of its most famous quotes, There is no crying in baseball. Basically, they are turning that into a TV series. And I watched the trailer, and it looked okay. It's very hard to turn a like a movie, beloved, like uh, League of Their Own, into a TV show. It could be a good thing, or it could be a bad thing. Now, this isn't the first time they attempted to do this, and I believe they did it back in the 90s, early 2000s, and it ended up failing. But, I mean, with the success Amazon has been having in the TV department, I'll have some faith in this. Honestly, I I mean, if it goes wrong, I mean, they'll cancel it. No big loss. Anyway, besides that, we are going to talk about Tales of the Walking Dead. Now, if many of you don't know what Tales of the Walking Dead is, it's basically an anthology series with a few good actors like Terry Crews uh, showing stories of different people through different times throughout The Walking Dead. Now, I'm not terribly excited for this because The Walking Dead has been excuse my pun, dead, for a while now, and I really want something new and menacing. Especially since the sh- in the show, the walkers had become less of a problem. And if you really think about it, zombies that can only walk don't really seem much of a threat. Especially if you have a good range weapon. I mean, I don't know if I've been spoiled with a lot of the Korean zombie uh, shows like uh, Kingdom and... Uh, Oh my god, I'm blanking on the others. Uh, There's a couple on Netflix which are really good. And also the movies. So, I mean, maybe we need something new, especially in the zombie area with as much production value and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, next, I'm going to be talking about Harley Quinn Season 3. And the first three episodes dropped, and I gotta say, it was okay. I honestly think they're really trying harder than what they were before. And it's kind of putting the series kind of down. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I don't know. Some of the conversations and the stuff seem more forced. And it doesn't seem as goofy or adventurous as it was before because you had an idea of where the show was going. In season one, it was Harley Quinn trying to get away from the Joker. Season two was making it on her own and proving that she was the biggest and baddest and getting revenge. So we had an idea. Season 3, I mean, the first few episodes, you really don't get what's going on. And, I mean, sure, they all have uh, Amanda Waller, they had James Gunn, which was good for a few laughs. But you also had, like, oh my god, Clayface and uh, King Shark were stuck in jail. Then you have the thing with Gordon. It just, I don't know, for some reason it doesn't seem to fit. But, I mean, I'll give it another chance, watch the next few episodes to see how it goes. But it's, I don't know, it just seems really, really a downer from what the two previous seasons were. Now, next on the TV show, I want to talk about some of the anime I have begun to watch for the new summer slots. Now, the one of the newest anime seasons, and I've been a big fan of the series so far, is Overlord. And I am really enjoying season four so far. Now, it's starting off slow, which is understandable because of how season three ended and they need to build up who exactly is going to be the big bad or who exactly is they're going to face throughout the season. Now, one thing I want to talk about is the animation is amazing. It's fantastic. The dub is still great. Honestly, it's one of the best dub in uh, anime. Next to Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood or Fullmetal Alchemist. 
and Dragon Ball. But still, it is very hard for a dub to capture the essence of the Japanese voices or to make themselves unique where it doesn't sound bad at all. Now, one thing I do want to say is I cannot wait for this series to continue. And since they already announced that there's a movie going to be happening after this, I'm excited. I just wish uh, Crunchyroll would uh, release episodes faster. I really do because it's great. Now, another uh, anime I'm watching is Black Summoner, and it seems like it's a good series. I get that people who watch anime will be like, but John, it's another Isaki anime, which is basically uh, Isaki is where a person is brought to another world uh, through any means necessary, whether they're summoned, the person dies, and they're reincarnated. That's basically what it is. And it's been pretty popular throughout recent years with a bunch of them being renewed, a bunch of them happening and stuff like that. And you can see that this train has probably run its course with the oversaturation of Isaki type anime. And I really think that soon that the popularity will end up moving to something else because it's not viable for the future for almost every other anime to be in Isaki. Now, I'll say this for Black Summoner, he ends up being brought to another world, but without his memories. And it's actually pretty fun. Uh, the anime uh, animation is pretty good. The story is decent enough where it's not like, oh my god, it's like every other. And the characters are actually kind of funny. So, I'm looking forward to see how this does. And honestly, it's pretty good. Now, lastly, the next anime I'm watching, and it's another Isaki anime. It's called... Um, Oh my god, what is the anime called? Uh, Pharmacist uh, Parallel World. And it's basically a doctor who was transported to another world and is basically trying to become a pharmacist. He knows magic, and of course he's overpowered. That's basically one of the key things of Isaki anime. They're overpowered and all that stuff. And I'll say this, I'm very picky about the anime I watch, and I usually choose story over fan service because I, I don't really enjoy the fan service anime. They're okay. One thing I will say is I cannot wait for season three. And if you're really tired of Isaki anime and want an anime to make fun of it, Kanosubo is an excellent anime to make fun of all Isaki anime. It's really great. The jokes are funny. And if you want a really great dub, the dub is fantastic. Anyway, uh, that's it for shows and anime. We're going to go ahead and move on to movies. Now... This is going to be, of course, like I talked about, the spoiler review for Thor Love and Thunder. Now, one thing I want to begin is how much I enjoyed my movie, the movie. The movie was fun and it was amusing, but it felt like they really tried too hard and wanted the movie to be over quickly because this movie was really short compared to the other Thor movies. Now, one thing that kind of sucked is I thought that Thor and the Guardians would have more adventures to tell and be together since basically uh, an endgame, it kind of was hinted that they would be in an epic adventure together. But I guess since James Gunn had already written the script for Guardians 3 and had the idea, Thor couldn't really be a part of the story because he would be way too powerful. Like extremely powerful compared to the other Guardians. So I guess it was an obvious decision to have them gone within the first 15 minutes of the movie if that... Uh, one thing I also want to talk about is Jane Foster and how they handled her her having cancer with care. And I really did enjoy that because the treatment and other stuff was kind of realistic. 
Uh, one thing I did like is how they treated her as the Mighty Thor and didn't do the dumb thing with the comic where she came onto the scene and the mystery dragged of who she was, what was her purpose, and stuff like that. The, that was one of the biggest things I hated about the comic version. This one, it just gets it out of the way. It's Jane Foster. What are we doing now? And one thing I did loved was when you found out why the hammer reacted to Jane. Thor loved her so much that he asked his hammer, his best friend, to protect her. And I thought that was great. I thought, okay, that makes sense. That's why the hammer uh, ended up reacting to her, because it was meant to protect her. Uh, one thing I did like is how the hammer uh, also was able to break apart and just attack multiple people at once. I thought that was actually kind of cool. Uh, one thing I was not expecting her was to die at the end of the movie. That was kind of surprising. Uh, one thing I also want to say is that a lot of the jokes in the movie just didn't feel like it landed. It just felt like they were really trying too hard. And like I said before, it felt like they wanted to just get it over with. And the one thing that was really dumb and not funny at all was the choosing the catchphrase. Like her having a catchphrase every other time. I just really thought that that was just dumb. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about is gore. I loved Christian Bale as gore. He was fantastic. And the actor made the villain very compelling. And like his comic book counterpart, he was tragic. The one crime that they did to gore throughout the entire movie was that he was not in the movie more often. And he honestly should have been kept alive to keep popping up again. One thing that I thought would have been amazing, amazing, and they had the right tools, was for Thor, not Thor, Gore, to show up in the city of the gods and start slaying everybody. You know how amazing that would have been? Amazing for him just to show up and start killing all the other gods, showing how overly powered he was to the others. Uh, one thing I want to mention is that the sword, uh, the black sword that he had, the Necron sword, was allowing him to know about the Bifrost being the key to uh, eternity. Uh, one thing that I did enjoy and I thought was really touching was how at the end of the movie, Gore was shown the error of his ways and brought his daughter back to and asked Thor to take care of her because he knew Thor would. And one thing I found, I found funny and I loved was at the end of the movie, you realized why Thor was, Thor was called Love and Thunder because she was love and he was thunder i thought that was actually kind of cool and touching i know people were like but that was so cheesy i mean it's a marvel movie it's you got to accept some cheesiness here and there now next i want to talk about the plot and the plot really did seem out there and i guess i did enjoy the story that tried to bring the other gods that haven't really been part of the mcu to light but i feel like they really didn't utilize them enough one thing I really didn't appreciate is Zeus being a pushover when in the comics he is a force to be reckoned with. He has even brought down Hulk. The other heroes have to take on him all at once to even like to even take on Thor. Go, oh my god, Zeus. And Thor being able to one-shot him, it just, I don't know, it, it didn't feel right at all. Especially with Zeus, I mean... I really wish I know uh I really wish he was written a little more serious. I know that they had different takes on 
Zeus, but picking the one where he was just like a joking character, I just really felt that that was bad. Uh, one thing I wish they did was have a different reason for Zeus not wanting to help Thor instead of him being afraid. Because like I said in the comics, he is a force to be reckoned with. And I really wish there was another reason for him not wanting to help Thor. Maybe because uh, Zeus and Odin never got along and he would rather have Thor fight on his own and die first before even taking care of Gore. Now, the one thing I will say is, which was kind of cool, was having Hercules teased at the end. Because, honestly, Hercules is a big part of the Marvel comics, especially being a rival to Thor. Uh, one thing I will also say is that a lot of the jokes, as I said previously, just didn't land. It felt like they were really trying to force them on. And, like I said, the movie felt short for what it was. And having Eternity being able to grant any type of wish felt dumb. Because Thor was like, oh yeah, it was it's a myth and all that stuff. And a rumor at that. And if Thor knew about this, why wasn't this brought up or explored in Endgame as an option? Hey, there is a legend talking about a way to grant any wish any way you want it. And be like, oh, uh, maybe it won't uh, combat the Infinity Stones. Or maybe like, oh, well, no one knows and no one knows about it. And it could just be a legend. So we'll just leave it at that. I mean, honestly, it could have been explored because it's like the MCU. They have gods, goddesses and stuff like that. It would have been great for it to be brought up. And one thing I will say is the fact that. He should have mentioned the other gods in Endgame as well. Maybe going for some of them for help. Maybe to know how to combat the Infinity Stones. And having them just being mentioned now for help. Just, I don't know. It just seems really dumb. And they should have really thought that one through. Uh, one thing I'll say is that having Gore kidnap the kids felt out of character. Since he would be only interested Since he was basically interested in only the gods. Because he believed that they were all selfish. And But taking the kids and knowing Thor would go after them and save them was kind of hypocritical. Like I said, the plot was kind of thin, but it did have its merits here and there. Next, I want to talk about the cinematography. The coolest part of the entire movie was when they were in the realm where Gore was, and it just went to black and white, which made the movie even cooler. And having the only colors be shown... Were, was the lightning and that radiated from the hammer and having uh, Gore's sword block and make its own color was very unique and made for a cool fight scene, made it fantastic. And that was one of the great things. Now, some of the bad things were some of the graphics were not that great and could have taken a lot more time to be better, especially with the kid appearing, uh, Heimdall's kid, Appearing as a head, that wasn't really animated greatly and could have taken a lot more time to be edited. And Korg's color pattern changing throughout the entire movie was small, but it was kind of distracting as well. Overall, the, the graphics were okay. Like I said, the best part of the movie was the whole black and white scene. Now, next, I want to talk about the characters that I haven't mentioned. Now, one thing that seemed to happen throughout this entire movie was they made Thor dumber for this movie and his action seems out of place compared to Ragnarok and from what we've seen in Endgame and Infinity War 
I will say this, they do explain that he was feeling lonely and felt alone, but they could have done it better. And one thing I'll say is that, it's like I said, I felt they dumped him down for this movie. I didn't really enjoy it. I will say this, Korg, throughout the entire movie, was funny. I honestly liked his character. His character really didn't change much. And being the comic relief really worked, in my opinion. I look forward to seeing this uh, character in other movies and hope to see his kid and his husband. Anyway, uh, Valkyrie, another character I really liked in uh, Thor Ragnarok, she was basically sidelined in this movie. And I really wanted to see more of this character, but it didn't really happen. And they could have used this movie to get her to grow as a character herself, but they left it for a small conversation with Korg and just like swept it to the side. I really hope to see this character more in the movies, especially since she's basically the king of Asgard. And I hope to see her grow in other movies as well. Uh, one thing I do love is the fact that they gave the Hammer and Stor Stormbreaker personalities. And, I mean, the jokes did kind of get old by the end of the movie, but it still made for some hilarious parts. Overall, I'll give this movie a 6 out of 10. While not being the weakest Thor movie, it wasn't the strongest either. And could have really been better. Anyway, that is my Thor review. If you guys like it, let me know. If you don't like it and have your opinions, also let me know. Again, this is just my opinion. And unlike IGN, it is not paid for. <laughs> anyway, uh, one thing I also saw was The Gray Man. And I honestly did enjoy the movie. I get people were criticizing it like, oh my God, the plot's thin. Oh my God, it's this and it's that. And I guess people didn't really seem to get that this was an action movie made for entertainment. It's not meant to be the next Jason Bourne, the next, uh, I'm trying to think of another act, like John Wick where everything is taken seriously. This movie, it's, it's, it's just a regular action movie with uh, basically Chris Evans as an entertaining villain. So if you want like a mindless action movie that will pass the time and is not too horrible for you to notice, this is your movie. And like I said, it doesn't take itself so seriously. Where it's like, uh, what's that movie that really took itself seriously? Uh, The Purge. That movie took itself way too seriously. This movie doesn't. Just enjoy the movie for what it is and you'll have a great time. I'm gonna, honestly going to give it a 7 out of 10 because, like I said, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's goofy and it's a mindless action film that is actually getting a sequel. Like I said, definitely give it a 7 out of 10 just for its goofiness and other stuff. Uh, now, one thing I want to say is the Samaritan trailer dropped. And this is a film by Sylvester Stallone and it looks great. Uh, the trailer really doesn't give too much away, and it gives you a little taste of what Stallone has in store for this movie. And honestly, I'm a big fan of his as a director and an actor. And luckily, and definitely looking forward to seeing him play a superhero or a retired one at that. Next, I want to talk about uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh my God, I can't speak today. Pinocchio trailer, and it looks great. Now, the animation is very unique, and it kind of looks like stock motion in a way, and the story does seem to add more than what we're used to, and from my understanding, this movie was in development hell for a while, and Del Toro didn't know if this movie would ever be made or finished, and I'm very glad he was able to make it, and this is apparently a dream project of his, and if that is the case, then this movie should have the passion 
the love and just the amazingness that del toro is known for and i can't wait for it i very much enjoy his movies well i believe that's gonna be coming out in the fall and it's gonna be on netflix so you won't have to pay much to see the movie Anyway, that's it for our movie reviews. Let's go ahead and talk about video games. Now, I want to talk about Multiverse, uh, the, the Warner Brothers game that just came out. And I want to say the game is fantastic. The voice acting is something else. I do like that they have some stock sounds for characters like Tom and Jerry, which make for a hilarious moment when they die. Because you hear like Tom's OG screams, and it's hilarious. Now... The controls are a bit different, and it's not as smooth or not unlike uh, Smash Brothers. Uh, each character is their own thing. Like, some of them are support, some of them are brawlers, some of them are tanks, and each of them are great or bad by themselves or fantastic with a team. And one thing I'll say, playing these characters, uh, some of my favorites right now are Finn, Superman, and Bugs Bunny. And while it is a free game... You are only able to unlock certain characters at the beginning and you can rack up a gold pretty quickly by playing games and fighting people over and over again, completing different tasks, and you'll uh, be able to unlock a character here and there. Like it won't be super fast, but it's not going to be super slow where you're like, okay, I have to buy the season pass or I have to buy this or that to get these characters. I personally uh, bought like the $40 thing where it gives you like 15 character unlocks because i mean why not i was really enjoying the game and knew that i wanted to try out the other characters i did end up getting bugs which is pretty cool you just have to practice in the lab to know his character moves same thing with superman and other characters from my understanding the hardest character is kind of the iron giant so i definitely would take him in the lab to improve on his skills but anyway, it's a fun game. I will definitely be playing with friends, versing them, teaming up with them, and can't wait to see this game evolve. And Warner Brothers, if you're listening to me, you have something great right now. You have something fantastic. Don't ruin it. Keep on supporting this game, and I hope the fans support this game too. And I will say this, if you're listening, Samurai Jack, Johnny Bravo, Yogi Bear, you have so many great characters that you can use. Oh my god, Captain Caveman, that would be an excellent character. Doc Dodgers, oh, Marvin the Martian. Who else, who else? Uh, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. I'd like, go for the old, like the old school characters, or the characters people haven't seen. Like, our characters from the 2000s shows. Do that, people are going to love it. Dexter, oh my god, Dexter would be fantastic. Courage would be another one. Anyway, uh, moving on and talking about fighting games, we're going to be talking about Brawlhalla. And it seems to be adding or having a, an Assassin's Creed crossover with Enzio and, uh, I cannot pronounce her name, Evior, uh, the one from the newest one, uh, show up with uh, his characters with their own moves and skills. Now, it seems like it's going to be fun. I'm not really a big fan of Brawlhalla. I played it a couple times, and it's not too bad. One thing I do love is the fact that Enzio has been a character within Assassin's Creed for more than 15 years. And his popularity is not slowing down. And I love it. He is my favorite character because he's the one who introduced me. That's the character I played as in Assassin's Creed. The next one uh, below him is the character from Black Flag. Those two are my top two uh, Assassin's Creed characters that I love. And I can't wait to see if he's been if he's going to be brought up in any other way in the future of Assassin's Creed. 
hopefully when Assassin's Creed stops being so grindy, because that's the one thing I hate about the new games now. Anyway, moving on, a trailer for NBA 2K23 has dropped, and like every year, it is the exact same game. Just with the 23 written on it and some improved graphics. Now, I honestly, the 2K games really do not change from year to year, and I really wish that they would just make one solid game where they would update it every year with DLCs to change the rosters or change... Add like, I don't know, like different players, add the new players and stuff like that. Where it's just a regular DLC. It would make so much more money and maybe about five, six years later, you come up with a new game because the graphics need to be improved because of this, because of that. You know how much more money you would make instead of just dropping a new NBA title every year. It would definitely help out the fans, but again, it's EA, so we'll just go with that. Anyway, uh, new videos have dropped in for Xenoblade 3 since the game has released, helping new players to the series and exploring a few things on what to do, what not to do, and how to face the new boss. The game looks promising, and I really hope that it does well. Uh, one thing I want to talk about is Vanguard has added Terminator skins to the game. Now, the Terminator skins look great. It is the T-800 and the T-1000, and the one thing that makes these skins so tempting to buy that if you take damage, you begin to see the Terminator within. Like their skin goes away and you get to see the Terminator for what it is. And it really, really makes me want to get the skins. But with the rumor that you won't be able to transfer skins to Warzone 2 makes it so just like poison. Like I don't want to do it, but it looks so cool. Like I'm excited for Modern Warfare 2 and I really can't wait for it to come out when it does. But if it's true that Warzone 2 will not have your skins from the first Warzone, I don't want to buy anything. Because that's really dumb. Especially with games like Fortnite being able to transfer and keep all your skins throughout all the chapters. Again, it's something I really hope that's not true, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about Apex. And they have dropped a new character named Vantage, and the story trailer for this character is already out if you want to know some background. Now, she does seem pretty cool, and I can't wait to see how she does. Uh, I really haven't played Apex in a long time, and honestly, I really hope EA allows Respawn to make Titanfall 3, because that was one of my favorite games. But, I mean, I really hope Apex does well. It was a great game when I played it, and I'm sure it's still a good game with needing some updates here and there. I mean, it's EA, so who knows? Anyway, that's moving on to Mario Kart. The second wave of maps for Mario Kart 8 has dropped, and they look fantastic. Some of these maps include the Nintendo 64, Calamari Desert, SENS, Mario Kart th Circuit 3, the Wii Mushroom Gorge, uh, from Mario to Kart Tour, Sydney Spirit, uh, DS, Waluigi Pinball, oh my god, I have so many memories on there, uh, Game Boy Advanced, uh, Snow, just to name a few, and this is a great idea for Nintendo, same thing with what I was talking about with, uh, NBA, they have this game that's been around for 10 years, almost 10 years, because remember, Mario Kart 8 came back, came out in 2014, and Deluxe for the Switch only came out in 2017, so, I mean, this game has been going on for t almost 10 years. For this, they've been basically bringing back hype to it by bringing back old maps as DLC. 
which is great. This is probably has to be the longest Mario Kart game going. And I hope to see uh, the more tracks since they have everything planned until 2023. See, this is smart, Nintendo. This is how you keep an audience in a game that is almost 10 years old. And I hope other games take note. Anyway, uh, continuing with Wii, uh, Wii Sports have added a summer update, which includes soccer and volleyball. So if you're missing out on those, they have added it. And lastly, I want to talk about SpongeBob. SpongeBob has come to Minecraft in a form of a DLC. Now, if you already have, I believe, I forgot what it was, but if you have one of the Minecraft games already, it's free, but you have to pay for the DLC. Uh, now, the DLC looks amazing and it looks fun and you get to relive some of the old adventures and I can't wait to explore the Bikini Bottom and do some fun activities, which include race car driving and getting into trouble fighting Plankton and, of course, foiling his evil plans. I hope they get to do more of this because this actually seems like it's going to be fun. Now, moving on, I have added a new section for Fuent Chat with Johnny Fuent called Movie Theories. And we're going to be talking about uh, theories for any upcoming movies, whether they be for DC or Marvel or anything else comes uh, come down the line. And basically theorizing what we think is going to happen. Now, first, I want to talk about Ant-Man 3. And talk about why Kang is being in this movie and why it's very interesting. Now, if you follow through with his comic book history, Scott Lang's daughter, Cassie Lang, actually fell in love with one of Kang's variants, who is the hero known as Iron Lad. Now, Iron Lad may make an appearance and they may have to change his origin story a bit, but it would make sense for him to show up, especially since he has a history with the Ant-Man family. Now, Iron Lad, his history was basically him being saved from being stabbed and being in a coma for a while, which would have shaped him to be Kang the Conqueror. Kang saved him to show him exactly what he was going to turn into and for him to be proud. He ended up being horrified and thought that Kang was a monster. He escaped and went back to the past to gather heroes to stop Kang. But at this time, when he went back, the Avengers were disassembled because of what happened with House of M and what Wanda did. So Kang formed the Young Avengers to help train them to fight against Kang the Conqueror or anything like him. Uh, one of the people who joined was Cassie Lang and they fell in love. Now, one thing that happened, like all great love stories, is a tragedy. Now, if he, Kang showed him what would happen if he didn't go back and become Kang the Conqueror, the Avengers would cease to exist because there always needed to be Kang, especially for what he does to make sure that the future is malleable enough to conquer. So he basically uh, leaves, leaving Cassie Lang. Now, fast forward a few years, Cassie Lang ends up being killed. He shows up. And bring, tries to bring her back to life to save her. Uh, now, I don't know if this is going to happen the same way it will. Or something might change. But him being in the movie, especially with Cassie Lang uh, taking up her superhero roots, makes sense. And I can see this being one of the reasons why Kang and Ant-Man are meeting with each other. And it's going to be interesting to see MODOK working for Kang as well. Since I've heard he showed up in the trailer too. 
Now, that's it for the speculation for Ant-Man 3. Like I said, this is one of the reasons why I believe Kang the Conqueror is showing up in Ant-Man 3 Quantumania. Anyway, moving on, I want to talk about Secret Wars and speculate that you believe, that I believe, honestly, that the MCU will be rebooted after this movie, with most of the heroes that were dead becoming alive again with entirely new actors playing them. And with Secret Wars, like I said at the end, uh, there was a new multiverse. And with the new multiverse, you had other heroes being brought in, and I believe that's what's going to happen. Iron Man will be back, so will Steve Rogers. They'll most likely reset it, saying the Inhumans and the X-Men were always a part of the universe since they own them now, and have crossovers with movies or TV shows with them as well. And I'm excited for this, because you can't wait to see how far this crazy ride is going to be. Especially with X-Men, Inhumans, and whatever that they didn't have before, finally having one roof. And this will allow Sony to continue making their movies with their characters as long as they follow a few rules in the MCU and not like go over the top with, oh my god, this is going to take over the world or okay, we're following this story, but we're going to have these heroes show up. And they'll allow be allowed to have Spider-Man and all that stuff. So it works out for everybody as long as Sony and Marvel can, or not Marvel, uh, Disney, shake hands and make amends. One thing I want to say is they can have Miles show up in Secret Wars, then have him in the MCU, which would be great. Now, again, this is all speculation, but I hope it's true because it would be great. Now, that's it for my speculation now. Uh, at D23, they're going to be making some announcements, so we'll see if any other shows or trailers drop then. Now, moving on, we're going to be moving on to current events, and I want to talk about Kentucky. Kentucky is facing a travesty, and I hope that they get the care and the support they need to save the people trapped and basically homeless at the moment because of the amount of flooding that has struck in the state throughout the rain. I really hope that the rain stops and this crazy weather slows down because a lot of these people, just they, they lost their homes. Some of them lost their lives and I will be praying for them and I hope they get the support from everybody, from those who have went through travesty similar to this and were helped by the state. I really am going to pray for them and hope that people will help them as well. Uh, one thing I want to move on to and talk about is shark attacks. Shark attacks are becoming a lot more common, especially over in uh, the East Coast. Now, I want to tell people to be more careful well, in the water, be aware of the flags that are posted because knowing what the color of the flags is may save your life. I know uh, double red means the waves are unswimmable. Don't swim it. I believe purple is there's marine life, most likely jellyfish. So please, if you're unfamiliar with what the flags mean, look them up before going into the water so you can stay safe and just be aware of your surroundings as well. Well, that's about it for today's episode. I hope everyone has have a great day. Please stay safe, and I'll see you guys next week. So long, sayonara. Talk to you guys later. Have a blessed day.